0: Take heed to yourselves lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them That's from Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 14 Well hello again and welcome to the Called Out Cafe podcast This is episode number 7 in the series titled Choose Your Jesus Wisely. This series is based on the second book I wrote titled, False Christian Gods, Choose Your Jesus Wisely. It's available on Amazon.com. If you absorb things better when you read something, you might want to pick up a copy. Otherwise, the content of the book and this podcast are essentially the same. Well, I want to tell you about a family I've known and loved for many years. (laughs) There's always been a belief in that family that they had a full-blood Native American in their not-too-distant ancestry. The family legend is, or should I say was, (laughs) that great-great-grandma so-and-so was a full-blooded Native American who, for a time, lived under a bridge in a major Pacific Northwest city. This was after she'd been driven out of her native land like so many others. She ended up marrying a French trapper. This lore was handed down by living relatives that could remember talking to great-great-grandma so-and-so. So the information seemed reliable. Certain members of the family took great pride in their heritage They would talk about having Native American blood and how it explains so many things about their appearance and how they feel about nature, about hunting, and different issues. The, quote, fact, unquote, that they possessed Native American blood was entered on various official documents which were filled out over the years. Being part Native American was a part of everyone in this family's reality and their truth. They knew no different. This belief all started to become unraveled thanks to Ancestry.com. Genealogy research revealed documentation that great-great-grandma so-and-so could not have been any more of European descent. Most in the family refused to believe this news. They chalked it up to faulty research techniques. When DNA testing on several in the family confirmed no presence of Native American DNA whatsoever, it was still too painful to let go of this belief. Some still just could not believe the facts to be true. They swore each other to secrecy about the information and remained determined to go on letting others believe that they were all 1 16th Native American. One family member even said, I don't want to live in a world where I'm not the descendant of Native Americans. I worked in the criminal justice profession for over 25 years. It's not very hard for me to understand why people choose to believe lies. There are many reasons. For example, those who trust others completely may always believe what they say because they, and not someone else, said it. Like. Quote, my son said he did not steal that car, so I believe him, unquote. Maybe we've come to believe that a person is viewed as a respected and trusted authority in some area. How could someone like that who wants me to vote for them or see things their way so they can receive funding ever possibly lie? Why would the president of the United States ever lie about anything? Anything? How could a pastor who is trying to make a point ever omit certain scriptures that would not help their case? We know these things are possible and may happen all the time, but we don't want to believe them. Others may believe a lie because on the surface, circumstances support the lie and they never look any closer to see that the information they use to form their opinion was not complete or credible at all. Many base their beliefs and lies on their own personal experience and nothing else. One may tell themselves, I believer, the same thing happened to me once, or I would have done the same thing if I was him. We may believe lies that are based on traditions which have been handed down year after year, generation after generation. Some of these traditions turn into false history and are written in books. Books at least used to give things credibility. We tend to think that things that have stood the test of time must be true. Right. Like people believe the world was flat for thousands of years. Science may support a lie. This should not be surprising since scientific findings continually change. Tell Me Lies, Tell Me Sweet Little Lies, or some of the lyrics of the 1987 Fleetwood Mac song. Sometimes our hearts just want us to believe something that's contrary to the facts. It may hurt too much to believe otherwise. A little bit more difficult to understand is why people will still believe lies even after they've learned the truth. Yet, there are reasons for this also. When someone believes they know something to be true, and evidence comes along that indicates it's not true, they may experience cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is a mental discomfort that comes when one attempts to hold two or more contradicting beliefs at the same time. This mental discomfort takes place when one acts based on what they once believed to be true. Rather than what their reasoning tells them, they should now believe not to be true. People naturally strive to avoid this discomfort. Some avoid this discomfort by deciding to continue to believe what they once believed and ignore the new, true information. They lie to themselves. They work out a way to justify their old, invalid belief. Since they can never unlearn the truth they have learned and get complete relief, why would anyone ever do that? People will remain in a state of denial for many reasons. They have too much at stake. Money, credibility, relationships, their authority. For example, if a teacher has taught throughout their entire career that the theory of evolution is true, and that they would stake their entire credibility as a teacher on that theory. When the day came, they could no longer believe the theory of evolution is true. To teach something to the contrary, in their eyes, would destroy their credibility. Well, that's what the Bible calls pride. For others, admitting they were wrong about something may be viewed by them to be the beginning of the unraveling of their entire belief paradigm. One belief may depend on another being correct. Let's say, for example, I believe that the rapture of the church will occur prior to the Antichrist coming on the scene and persecuting the church. Then, through an intensive study, I find scripture supports the rapture takes place sometime after the Antichrist begins to persecute the church. This has large ramifications for the rest of my beliefs about the end of this age. If I'm alive, I, and those I love, may get hurt or lose everything. What does this say about my views on how Jesus cares for the church? I know firsthand, this is not a new belief that would be very welcome or comfortable for many to accept, whether it's true or not. It may be that a person's friends and support structure are mostly found at a church that they've come to believe may be off base in their teaching. But rather than risking losing their friends and support structure and sense of belonging, they'll continue to at least tolerate the false teaching about God. When one begins to experience cognitive dissonance, they may engage in an emotional-based decision-making process called motivated reasoning. Motivated reasoning occurs when one attempts to actively cling to what they believe to be true, despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary. They'll take that path rather than rationally seeking out information that either confirms or denies the new information they've received. When people seek to validate their previously held belief, they may do so by seeking out others who hold the same inaccurate beliefs. This can be achieved by finding misinformation online Or tuning in to a like-minded radio talk show host, or finding a safe ally at church that they're sure will agree with them. Well, another reason people will continue to hold a misbelief, according to the field of psychology, is because the human brain is a cognitive miser. In other words, humans tend to solve problems with as little thought as possible. It's simply easier to believe what I once believed rather than going through the process of evicting a belief from my brain and adopting a new one. Then, a very powerful reason people will hang on to a false belief is because of yet another cognitive process called emotional reasoning. Emotional reasoning convinces someone that something is true because of their personal emotional reaction proves it to be true. For example, someone can't believe the rapture could take place after the Antichrist begins persecuting the church simply because of their emotional response, Jesus just would never allow that to happen to me. Where church is involved with an inaccurately held belief, chances are there are plenty of people around to validate and maintain that belief. That'll include the pastor who taught you the incorrect doctrine, and reaffirms the wrong teaching Sunday after Sunday. Your parents may have held the same belief, and you're surrounded by many others in the church who have accepted the same teaching. If only we could vote on what's true and what's not true, our version of the truth could be voted in. However, it just doesn't work that way. Unless the Holy Spirit acts, misbeliefs in a church are almost impossible to get rid of. That's why some people leave. Being a seeker of the truth is not emphasized in Christian circles. And that's amazing to me. Maybe it's because once someone has found Jesus and they're saved and they're plugged into an established church where the leadership is trusted, they believe they've fully arrived at the truth. They needn't be concerned any further about using discernment where the church is concerned or be on guard against deception. They believe essential doctrines were figured out long ago and we can trust the practices in the church today because they're based on long-held, tried-and-true traditions. Most Christians trust what they hear in church. Many, not all, pastors are trained in seminaries and ordained. It's assumed that wise, learned elders who are mature in the faith hold pastors accountable and help to watch over the church. Perhaps there's a denominational conference or some kind of hierarchy that watches over the local church to make sure they're staying in line with orthodox doctrine. Just as your money is completely secure in an FDIC federally insured bank, your trust is well placed in your church, isn't it? there is really nothing not to trust. Right? As previously discussed in this podcast series, a chief characteristic of the authentic child of God is that they are a seeker of authentic truth. If one seeks to know the authentic Jesus, they can't help but choose truth over false doctrines, at least eventually, and uh, with prayer, meditation, and a commitment to the truth. To desire to know Jesus is to desire to know truth. To desire to follow Jesus wherever He takes us without fear is to desire to allow the truth to take us where it will, without fear. Wherever the truth takes us, there we will find Jesus. And the truth of Jesus is freeing. John eight twenty nine 29-32 says, And he who sent me, Jesus, is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Notice that the Jews in this scripture believed in Jesus. What was the truth Jesus was talking about in this scripture that would make Jews who already believed in him free? The question should be who is the truth? Well, Jesus is the truth, and it's Jesus that will make those who believe in him free. The root of the Greek word translated in this scripture as believed is again the same word used for faith. How one can know Jesus or truth is to abide in His Word. If we abide in His Word, we are indeed His followers. The Greek word used for abide in this scripture that is translated as abide means to stay either in a place or in a state of being. Authentic students or followers or disciples of Jesus therefore will seek Jesus and His truth by staying, abiding in His Word. Even after you have come to faith in Jesus, you still must seek to remain or abide in the truth contained in the words He spoke and the apostles who speak on His behalf and wrote about Him. What is it Jesus said His disciples would be free from if they remain in His Word and seek His truth? Well, John chapter 1, verse 17-18 to 18 gives us an indication. It says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Through faith in Jesus, we receive grace and truth. Lots of people may have their ideas about God, but no one has seen Him. The Greek word used for seen here means to stare at or clearly perceive. It is only Jesus who knows God the Father so well, who was and is qualified to make His Father truly and clearly known to us, by showing himself. Whereas man's ideas of how to know God and have a relationship with him always seem to place bondage upon us. You know, They keep us in bondage. Well, having a true and accurate picture of who God is, what he is like, and how we can relate to him is absolutely freeing. That's the gospel, the good news. Man's ways to God is always through doing something like following Moses' law, participating in religion. Jesus' true way to God is through the grace of God made available through knowing and believing in Jesus. Belief in the one whom God sent, Jesus, His Son and the Messiah, is the only work that matters. No individual but Jesus has given us an accurate, true picture of who God is. Jesus, being God himself in human form, is the true picture of who God is. Jesus, testifying on his own behalf the very day he would be crucified, said this was one of the very reasons that he was born. We Read this in John chapter 18, verse 37. This is what that says. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Authentic followers of Jesus must know the truth. They must remain truth seekers and abide in the words of Jesus. Following Jesus means to place the truth above all else in life. Listen to the words found in John chapter 4, verses 23 to 24. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. By implication, God is not seeking those. Who will not worship Him in truth. He desires to have a relationship with those who want to know who He is, not those who want to worship their own idea of who He is, not those who prefer a false god of their own imagination over Him. If you choose to ignore the truth or place the traditions of men and institutions above the truth, you Are placing the traditions of men and institutions above Jesus. I would argue that those institutions and traditions are a part of the world. If you follow your own comfort rather than following Jesus, you are not following Jesus. If you choose friendships and loyalties to others, including loyalty to pastors, over Jesus's truth, you're not following Jesus. And if you choose to ignore the truth, you choose to ignore Jesus. If you're committed to Jesus and really convinced He is the truth, you are fearless of what the truth will reveal. When you're challenged to look at Scripture again, you'll not be afraid of what you might find, and you'll look forward to it. You'll long to see the world as Jesus sees it. Deception, lies, and darkness will be blown away by what Jesus reveals. You'll come out of the bondage of false paradigms, man-made traditions, and heavy burdens, and be made free. If you think you're an authentic child of God, and you're not abiding in His Word and seeking His truth above all else, there's something that's just not adding up. Jesus is calling you out of bondage to the law and bondage to misconceptions of what it truly means to follow him. He's asking you to leave man's ideas behind of how to commune with God in favor of what he knows to be true. As your master and Lord, he expects us to follow him and not man where their paths diverge, regardless if the man or woman's title is pastor, rabbi, or even pope. If you honestly seek the truth, and end up holding on to something because it sounds like a biblical practice, great. However, if you push through its struggle and end up giving up some deeply held religious belief based on what the truth in the Bible reveals to you, Jesus will be with you through the struggle and remain with you on the other side of it. When you allow yourself to discern the difference between man's expectations and God's truth, Jesus will be your constant companion. When you go through the pain of exchanging your loyalty to human tradition for the simplicity of Jesus' grace and faith-based gospel message, you will be free. And an incredible weight will be lifted off your shoulders, courtesy of Jesus himself. According to Jesus' own words, There are many different counterfeit lords to choose from. The authentic truth does not support counterfeits. I encourage you to examine your beliefs considering Jesus' truth found in the Bible. Those things that are true will remain and become more solid. Those things that are not will pass away like a bad gas pain. There's very little specific instructions in the Bible on how authentic followers of Jesus should come together as a group in his name. When I wrote those words for this the book that this podcast is based on Choose your Jesus wisely or false Christian gods choose your Jesus wisely. You know, I I knew that that was true on on a rock solid basis since doing the <laughs> The extensive research for my new book, uh, Leaving the Church to Follow Jesus, I can't tell you how true that is. Uh, The New Testament survey in the new book is just really lean on specific (laughs) instructions for how to get together in the name of Jesus. That being true, there are an incredible number of traditions, services, formalities, systems, sacred props, offices, ceremonies, buildings, rules, robes, rites, rituals, social functions, regulations, vows, ordinations, equipment, sacraments, dedications, expectations, personnel, obligations, planning, volunteer opportunities, commitments, and guilt associated with doing church correctly. One could say that the silence of the Bible on the topic itself speaks loudly about the legitimacy of all these things. Differences of opinion on how to properly pull off accomplishing coming together in the name of Jesus, given this list that I just rattled off, has given birth to tens of thousands of different Protestant denominations and Catholic rites. Some of the differences of opinions over the years have been so extreme as to bring about excommunications, executions, and wars. What if none of these things was what Jesus had in mind for those that follow Him when they gather in His name? How many divisions amongst His flock would there be then? Not to oversimplify, but like I like... Different kinds of foods. You know, I like uh, Mexican food. I love Italian food. I love German food. I, I can hardly think of a, uh, an international dish that I don't enjoy. Well, similarly, I believe God enjoys the diverse world that He made. But I must think it's not a positive thing that the body of Christ seems to be so passionately divided over issues that Jesus and his apostles didn't say much about. These things reek of self-centered sin and personal preferences and not of worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Jesus's deep desire for his original 12 disciples and those that would one day be his disciples was that they would be as one in Jesus and his father. All of us, As one to accomplish this he asked that his father set us apart and purify us through truth this is what Jesus prayed this is found in John chapter 17 verses 17 to 22 this is Jesus praying to his father sanctify them by your truth your word is truth as you sent me into the world I also have sent them into the world And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be as one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. To get back on track, seeking to be one in the truth is an individual decision. Not an individual church body decision, but an individual believer's decision. One needn't wait for the church to reform or become a part of a group effort to reform the church. One need not wait for direction from a pastor. One need only follow Jesus. You will have unity with all others who also are seeking to follow Jesus. As loyal as you may be to your pastor, and on track as an individual pastor may be, they are still subject to their sin nature. Many pastors can't help but allow their judgment to be swayed by their pressure of their denominational hierarchy and desire to not offend traditionalists. Pastors, being human, and many of them, being the head of a household, have bills to pay and need to make a living. Never expect a pastor to make a case against receiving a salary for preaching what Jesus freely has given to all mankind. I'd also not hold your breath waiting for a pastor to deliver a sermon that undermines their own traditional, yet unbiblical in most cases, authority in the church. One cannot serve two masters, and there are no titles in the kingdom of heaven like chief deputy God or vice son of God. Every follower of Jesus is responsible directly to Jesus for their actions. It's up to every individual believer to follow Jesus wherever he goes. Which way does he want us to go? His way. This is what John 14:6 says. Jesus said to him, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." At one time during the world's spiritual history, the things of God were a complete mystery. God Almighty would occasionally use a prophet to give humans a glimpse into his plans of who he is. Then along came Jesus who showed us everything humans need to know and can understand about God. He showed us Himself. Finally, He sent us the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit. Listen to what the Gospel of John chapter 16 verses 12 to 15 have to say about that. This is Jesus speaking here. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, When He, the Spirit of Truth, has come, He'll guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears He will speak. And He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are Mine. Therefore I said that He will take of Mine and declare it to you. What Jesus, in His human form, tried to communicate to his disciples about the gospel, could still not be completely understood by them until the Holy Spirit had revealed it. Whereas Jesus communicated to the disciples through natural, physical means, utilizing five senses, the Holy Spirit would come to communicate internally through supernatural senses or means. If you're one whom Jesus has chosen and you've made him your Lord, you are not on your own seeking Jesus' truth. As Jesus made known and declared his Father through his existence on this earth, so does the Holy Spirit reveal, advocate for, and declare Jesus, who is the truth. So in summary, there are many reasons people choose to believe lies even lies about God. It's up to every individual to choose to believe the truth or not. According to Scripture, Jesus is the truth. One can't believe in the authentic Jesus without believing authentic truth. Jesus, the truth, will set those free who believe in Him. It's the Holy Spirit of God who will accomplish this work. With so many versions of the truth out there, all allegedly based on Scripture contained in the Bible? How does one discover the authentic truth? I'll discuss this question and its answer in the next podcast. But until then, may God bless you richly. And Maranatha. Thanks for joining me today. Until my next podcast, you can follow me on Facebook by going to the Doug Hooley Ministries page. I'm on Twitter at at H Ministries. And I'm on Instagram at Doug Hooley Ministries. Find out about what I'm working on and read some of my blogs at DougHooley.com or email me at Doug at DougHooley.com That's Doug at D-O-U-G-H-O-O-L-E-Y.com. I'd love to hear from you. This has been the Called Out Cafe. So long and God bless.